Welcome to episode 32 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. And I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. We have another guest. Another guest. I'm, I'm pretty excited. We got another lady yeah. DP here. What's your name? Hi, this is uh, Danielle Kaladny. Hello, Danielle. Thanks and you're, so uh, <laughs> you're in uh, Brooklyn? Oh. If I'm... I am. Okay. Brooklyn, yes, yeah. I live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. That's like DP Central. Yeah, right. I've noticed. <laughs> It's yes. very artsy down there. Every single person in Greenpoint, Brooklyn is a cinematographer. So wow. <laughs> I want to know what town all the like sound engineers live in because yeah. we could never Same. find those. Yeah. <laughs> Are they down. all in Bensonhurst now? Like <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Are they like moving down there? Yeah. So um, I actually, the, the wonderful world of uh, the interwebs yeah, and social media, mm-hmm. I actually found you through a hashtag from... A, uh, from a share from some, which is the way it works now and yeah. i follow a lot of like female filmmaker type hashtags and all that and your picture came up and it immediately struck me because you were on the set of sesame street <laughs> and i was like amazing oh my god right. i want to talk to this person even if they're i don't care if they're like oh i'm in craft services tell me what it's like to be <laughs> on the set of sesame street and you wound up obviously being a dp and i was like oh awesome this is even better it's a bucket so list thing tell there, us huh? tell us a bit about how you uh got into this how i got into sesame street or how i got into shooting? all of it okay start you know 12 13 14 years old i've been going way way back you know i like every other um filmmaker watched a lot of movies growing up you know so i always knew i wanted to work in film um but of course i didn't really see women in crew roles and that wasn't i, I didn't think that was an option so mm-hmm. of course i wanted to be an actor um, lo and behold, I'm a horrible actor, even though I kept <laughs> trying, like I kept doing theater all through high school, even in college. And I was like, it's going to work. And it just, I, I'm not a good actor. So that was not an option for me. Um, and so I went to college, I was studying English literature and I still wanted to be like involved in film. Um, I loved it my whole life. I love horror movies. I love comedies, rom-coms. Like I'm from a very small town in Texas where you don't have access to, you know, indie film titles. Right. And I, I had what was at Blockbuster. So <laughs> I, like I watched a lot of movies from at Blockbuster, mainly horror. That was like my big thing since I was like a little kid, like any adult I could get to rent me Evil Dead. Like that oh, was what I was doing. I you just said the magic word. That's his her. favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's also my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably have seen it 50 times. It's so like good. just so good. So are so sorry to interrupt, but are you an yeah. Evil Dead one or an Evil Dead two person? One. Okay. Oh. Always one. Oh, okay. I watched. I watched the other one. Um, I was like, this is not. This is not my original film. Okay. This is not my Evil Dead. What about you? I like. I like. I mean, one is one, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a classic. You can't do anything. But there's just something about two that is so endearing, and I just love it so much. Because you're a goof. Yeah. <laughs> one is more horror. Yeah. And two is more goof. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, one is, like, horror enough that when you're 12, it was, like, the scariest thing I'd ever seen. (laughs) And it was so fun to watch it. Yeah. So I think as I've gotten older, it sort of lost the, you know, the ability to scare me. Mm -hmm. Because you you can see, like, the cracks and how it's made. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
But um, it's, yeah, it was definitely a big movie for me growing up. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting when you said, you know, because we, I touch on this a lot. And people are like, oh, get over it. But it's, it's so crazy that you said that as a kid, you didn't think it was an option because you don't normally see women in that role. And that's really what it comes down to. I think a lot of people are like, is that really what it feels like? And it's like, yeah, I never, as a kid, I loved film. I always loved film, but I never thought of anything other than, well, you'd have to be an actor. Right. You couldn't be a director or an editor or anything. That's like, dudes do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's so important to see, to be able to see women in those roles. Too many dudes do it. A lot of dudes do. <laughs> a lot of dudes a lot do. Of dudes. Yeah. Um, so okay. So continue. So i i go to I go to college at the University of Texas in Austin, um, and I'm studying English. But I'm like, I really want to be doing film, but I don't know like how. To, you know, I just like missed. I, I wanted to be doing that. Like in high school, like I had done like teen film programs, you know, where you're mm-hmm. like sort of like loosely learning how to make movies. And um, I started to take some film classes and I ended up just really, uh, you know, I was like one of, of course, 10 women in a 200 person class. Mm-hmm. And it was like, of course, all these like really cool, like hipster dudes yeah. in Austin and me. And um I ended up really connecting with some of the TAs and the like younger people doing their PhDs there and their MFAs. And I started just getting really involved. And I, for the first time in my life, I was like, I found my people. Like I just, mm-hmm. I like, I'd never met a group of people like I met during the film program. And I got so involved in the college TV station and I was like on my weekends, me and my friends are just like making TV shows together that were like probably horrible. <laughs> um, but one of them actually still airs in Austin on public oh, access. Oh, nice. You can still find it. It's called the night night show. Um, and you know, we just, I just all of a sudden started, I was editing, I was screenplay writing and I was, I was never on the, behind the camera and I was never directing though. I was, I was always just like loosely on on set. I'd be maybe moving around some C stands, you know, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like I was taking an owner a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And I never even thought that camera was an option for me. You know, the guys who ran like the cage, the equipment cage, like I was just intimidated to go there. And there weren't women doing that. And women were only doing editing and producing and screenplay writing. And so I you know, never, I, I, I touched a camera, t- you know, I did like handy cam work, like, mm-hmm. I, but I wasn't like, you know, using real equipment, wasn't learning film. And when we graduated, this whole group of friends from the TV station, we all moved out to Los Angeles and I was a PA, you know, office PA at a couple of companies, one named Reveille and one was Ridley Scott's company, Scott Free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like plating lunch for executives and I'm like going to pick up people's prescriptions at Walgreens. Like, I'm just not, I it was just, I was like, I don't know how to get out of here right. and be and be somewhere else while still being in film. I just right. couldn't figure out how to get to set. And I knew I wanted to be there. Like at Reveille, they would shoot like reality shows sometimes there. And they would come in with cameras and be the whole like male camera crew. And I'd like run over there. Like, can I coil cables? Like, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Um, to just like be close to set. And I was, you know, I was pretty unhappy in LA. It just wasn't working for me. 
And I basically in the middle of the night decided I'm moving to New York and I packed my bags and I was gone the next day. Wow. And I slept on one of my best friend's couches, which was actually a love seat because her apartment was so little. <laughs> and I was there for like two months trying to, you know, make a living. I was trying to find a job. And I became a, a staff editor at a publication. And I was editing just like how-to videos. You know, it was mm. like not glamorous at all, but I was like, close. I was like, I'm using my major. Right, <laughs> like, right. And, but I knew I wanted to be shoot, like on set. I just, I didn't know how. And um, I was watching all the footage from all these freelancers and I'd constantly be sending them like really detailed notes that <laughs> I should not have been sending them. Like, <laughs> this is how you should be telling this story better. And like, if you were to use like this camera angle, I'm like, I don't know why you're, why are you doing things this way? Like, you know, I'd be like, like correcting them. Oh, um, I bet they love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, like the 22 year old girl at this like, you know, place they're, you know, telling them how to do their job better. But, I ended up actually connecting with some of those freelancers later on and they, a few of them mentored me and it was, mm -hmm. you know, a really nice experience. Um, well, this company, I was not happy there. They were not happy with me and <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they, you know what? They, they fired me. So, um, that oh, was man. kind of, <laughs> I know it was kind of a strange experience. All of a sudden now I'm broke. I'm in New York and, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to be a freelancer. I'm going to do whatever those people were doing who were sending us footage that I was editing at this company. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have any gear or anything. And, um, my, and I'm like, I need a camera. Obviously, I need a camera. And my stepmother is like, I have this really heavy camera that I used to take photos, and I think it takes video. Um, do you want me to send it to you? I was like, sure. She sends me a Canon 5D with a 24 to 105 lens, which yep. was like life changing. All of a sudden, I was just, I was shooting every day. I was learning everything I could. I bought every book I could get on cinematography and digital imaging and watching YouTube videos and like taking everything I'd learned from film school, which was all like, you know, I learned a lot about lighting and a mm -hmm. lot about like film theory and narrative structure and and the power of the power of the camera to create the image, but not the science mm -hmm, of right. the camera. And so I felt like that was a big gap in my education that I really needed to fill. And I just became obsessed. And um, at the same time, I was introduced to somebody who really needed some interviews shot. And I was like, yeah, 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 I, I, <laughs> I'm your girl, like totally. <laughs> and she's like, okay, can you send me some examples of your work? And so I just like call one of my friends and like, let's shoot this interview. Like I'll shoot like a little documentary for her and send it to her. And I did. And she hired me. And, um, you know, then a really amazing thing happened and I started getting paid to <laughs> shoot. <laughs> and so, you know, up to that point, like, you know, I was like a little unemployed. I'm like, we're, I, was, I was doing a lot of odd jobs for a while. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I was a barista. I was working at the juice bar. I, I taught yoga. Like, it just, I had to make a living. <laughs> right. But I also was still, like, pursuing my passion for no money on the side. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a situation where for about two years... I was shooting almost every single day with, um, with this person. Um, her name is Laura Lehman and she's incredible. And we were filming, you know, it was a lot of documentary, all documentary. 
And I was shooting every day and I was editing every day. And it was just like boot camp for me. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like I was getting my master's in, in, in storytelling without having to pay for it. Right. And I was meeting so I amazing know. people. We've made this point before. Which point? It's like a joke that we're like film anti-film school, versus- school. We're not. It's just that like... Everyone we know that's successful has all, nobody has ever been like, I went to this film school, done. I came out, I knew everything I needed. It was perfect. Everyone has the same story. They're like, I learned stuff there, there, but when I really started to learn was when I was doing it. And that's kind of always been our point is that if you have the money, great, do it. But you don't have to go to school to do it. It's just, you kind of got to work your way around it. Neither of us went to school. We just learned how to do it. And it takes yeah. a little longer, but Trial by you fire. can. So yeah. it's just like, it's, you know. It's great for, you know, you, you you hit on it really well in that there's just connections that you made there. Like you, you meet these people and you learn from these people and you make these connections. And that certainly makes it a lot easier. You know, you have these connections, you have people you can reach out to. It's one of the things we struggle with all the time is connections because we don't. Uh, well, we're antisocial. We're very antisocial. <laughs> So that doesn't help either. But uh, you guys do not seem antisocial yeah. at all with we, each other. We're like, and then we meet people. We're like, hey. yeah. We go to a film fest and we're just sitting in the we corner. We just sit in a corner you know? like that. Yeah, that's our film. Yeah. Hey, do you want to come up and talk? Not really. No, good. <laughs> but yeah, we, um, you know, we certainly are not against film school at all. If I had the money, I would have went myself. But uh, you know, I feel like what you can learn on your own in the span of a year just doing it every day versus what you may learn in a school. And I'm talking mainly from the um, a technical standpoint or even a creative standpoint. Um, for me, it's been, I only have that experience to go on, but for me, it's been just sitting down and being obsessed with it. Like I have been for years and years and years. It's just learning and just making tons and tons and tons of bad, bad, bad movies. <laughs> you know, you learn everything and I just, I don't know. And, and, and plus I like, I like being involved in all assets of it. You know, I've done sound on people's films and I've done just been a DP and just edited some, you know, every stage of it. So now when I direct, I can communicate. And I started out wanting to be an actor, much like yourself. Uh, So I can communicate. I feel confident in communicating with other departments with what I need and, and, and what, what, you know, what, what is it, what it is that I, I want and also taking in what, what they have to offer as well. It just helps in that communication, I think, when you... I'm rambling now, but you get it. <laughs> I I mean, I completely agree about that. I, uh, I've i done basically every role on set, and I've done, um, po- like, editing, post-production, everything. And I feel like that makes me so much better as a director when I'm in a director's role or when I'm in the cinematographer's role. I know what the editor needs. I, I know what the producers are looking for. I know what they want. You know, I just, it helps to do every single role. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in um, when you, when you finally got yes. to this point where you're like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm going to start charging people for this. Like, this is my, you know, cause I feel like that's always, there's a fine line, right? You're always mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. am I there yet? You know, dare I charge people for something? And then you see something that somebody else has done that's maybe not so good. And you're like, you got paid for that? (laughs) I think I should start getting paid for this. What was that point for you? So definitely, I think that's another thing that's interesting in a a gender, under the lens of gender, Mm -hmm. um, through the lens of gender is that 
I feel like women ask for less money. And I have always had a hard time asking for money as if I'm being like tacky. You know what I mean? Right. Like bringing up the subject of money. Wanting to pay rent and stuff. What's what's your problem? (laughs) I know I'm like sitting here like struggling to like, you know, you're you're at this point in your life when, you know, when I was just getting started where I was like trying to make like spaghetti for dinner go as far as it could. You know what I mean? Like maybe if I make more noodles, like it'll last longer. Like, you know, you have no money. And I still was just like, okay, whatever, you know, big corporation, just pay me whatever you can. Like I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm just happy to be here. And I had a producer last year who sort of like, she said something to me, she, I told her my day rate and she came back with a much higher day rate. And she said, this is your day rate because I'm paying you what the boys ask for. And that was like really empowering for me Mm -hmm. um, in a way that I hadn't realized I was undercutting myself. Mm -hmm. And since she said that to me, I, it's transformed the way that I approach, um, you know, it's, it's only been one year of me kind of being more, more, um, assertive about what I think I, I should be getting paid, but that it was a really tough point for me was mm-hmm. like owning the fact that feeling like I deserved to be paid in the first place and then asking for more money as time went on, um, I think is tough. And I think it's especially tough for women. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I struggled with with that at the beginning of my career. Just, I just, oh, because I wanted, I just was so happy to be involved in something. I can only imagine that it's just amplified, you know, being a female. But when you're already, that, when you already don't feel like you belong there because there's just a boys' club, you know. Uh, I think it kind of worked the same way for you too. You were like, you you had your day rate for like motion graphics and stuff. And then yeah. somebody else was like, no, they're going to pay, they pay way more than that. That's not your yeah. day rate. And then suddenly it was like, yeah. okay, I guess this is my day rate. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's, you know, I mean, what, what is your worth, right? Your worth is just what someone's willing to pay you. And so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've talked about it before, but my day rate can fluctuate depending on the project, depending on the client, depending on my time. Um, you know, if, I'm more than willing in either motion graphics or, you know, working in film to work out, you know, if somebody doesn't have the budget that can afford my day rate, quote unquote, but I'm really jazzed about this project, I'm more than happy to work something out with them 100% because, you know, I, I just get so amped You've up. You've been with, there. <laughs> yeah, I've been there and I get just, I just get so excited when I see people that just love what they're doing. I think that's actually, that was the biggest part for me is doing free work that I was excited about. Well, I guess, I guess, I mean, I, yeah, doing free and low budget work is how I think I've gotten to where I am today. I learned, that's where I, I've learned to experiment and learn to, um, that's how I've learned to light. And that's how I've learned, um, how to work with crews and, I had to communicate with directors and then as a director to communicate with cinematographers. And I met a lot of people doing that. I met a lot of producers doing that. And so, you know, someone would, I would do like, you know, I'd like, I shoot a lot for like online public, like publications, you know, like billboard, Hollywood reporter and stuff like that. And I started with them doing like their little teeny shoots. Like they need like an hour long shoot here and they're going to pay me like, you know, and, and not not right. a large amount of money. Yeah. 
And then, you know, the producers there are like, oh, I want to do a short film on this, this weekend. Can you come and shoot the short film for me? And, you know, then I'd be just like meeting people and shooting things for free, shooting music videos for free, shooting. I shoot a lot of short films for free still to this day because really? to me. We love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. I shoot a lot of short films for free. I just shot um, a music video for free as well because I feel like when I get <clears throat> the opportunity to be really creative and have a lot of fun, my day rate to me is more beneficial to go into the, the G&E budget or to the, the camera budget or to pay my first AC or to pay a gaffer. Um, I would much rather use it that way because that piece is going to be more beneficial to me than the day rate they could pay me. Right. That's, so that's, yeah, that's how I think about it. Yeah, I love her already. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> creative freedom is just such a, um, yeah. you can't put a price on that, right? You know, I mean, we're yeah. lucky in that we just kind of shoot our own stuff so we can do whatever the hell we want. But, um, but when you do, when that, you take those corporate jobs, there's, there's not a lot of artistic leeway, right? They're like, this is what I want. Right. And they'll pay you a lot of yeah. money, but it's like, I'm not going exactly. to do anything I want on here. I hate all of this, but you do what yeah. they want. And it's so a, it's almost like that's your opportunity to go like, all right, I'm not making a lot of money, but I got a couple of days that I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And I like this script or whatever. And screw it. Let's yeah. do it. I mean, it's an interesting thing where in that <laughs> it seems like the more money you get paid, the less freedom you have. And you well, know, yeah, you know, it's just kind <laughs> they of give, they don't give a damn what you want. <laughs> yeah. And but, you know, you want it's just, you know, like we say, one for the meal, one for the real. And, right. And, you know, you. Uh, exactly. So. So yeah. how did you get to Sesame Street? I shoot for, you know, these a few like really, really popular online um, publications that also have print magazines that are, mm-hmm. you know, very uh, big with big readership. And through time, I just have like made so many friends who are producers there and people who work there that I get, I do get hired on really fun shoots through them. And this one was, so Sesame Street is celebrating its um, 50th anniversary. <clears throat> and also the person who played Big Bird um, from the sixties is retiring. So they wanted oh. us to go and film with all the Sesame Street puppets about what it, you know, what it feels like to be turning 50. And we got to film like Cookie Monster and the Count. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And it was incredible to watch the puppeteers. So what was interesting is that every single puppeteer needed their own monitor. So we had like so many monitors have to be propped up, you know, in Apple boxes, like exactly at the angle so that they can see it. And then they're all sitting on like skater, like little like butt dollies like mm-hmm. that and they're just sort of rolling around and then they keep you know the puppets up here uh with their above their heads and they look down at the monitors and that's how they know oh. you know what they're looking like on the mm-hmm. camera and they just improvised the entire thing like, oh, there wow. was no script they, they had no idea what we were doing like they were just they came to set and we were like oh should cookie monster give you guys like a tour around Sesame Street were like he should definitely give us a tour on Sesame <laughs> Street obviously and so we're just like we have no idea where he's gonna go the the puppeteer is on his little butt dolly we're just trying to follow and um and then he you know they bring out the fake cookies and he like gobbles them up and then like the puppeteer is like you guys should take pieces of the fake cookie home and so I have a souvenir fake cookie from Sesame Street um, so that was, yeah, seriously. yeah, I should, I should put it somewhere, you know, on a wall with like a, a plaque underneath. Um, it was a really, really fun day and everyone there was so 
nice. And, and that's still in Kaufman Studios, right? It is, okay. yeah. It was amazing. And, you know, I ended up packing so much gear. I was like, I'm going to light, I'm going to do all this like fun lighting. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that they, they have a standard way you have to light the puppets right. and it cannot be any other way. And so they had their whole lighting team there lighting for me. So I'm like showing up, you know, with like two huge carts full of like GD gear, like ready to like make this like amazing lighting setup. And yeah, they just go and <laughs> turn like, the lights on in the right, studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did not have to, um, I hardly had to do anything in terms of lighting. I just built the camera and all the monitors and went for it. It was really great. Um, it was like one of the most fun days shooting. And, you know, I think that another thing that's important that, that I've kind of noticed that's kind of important to mention is that there there are some DPs out there that just don't uh, really kind of dive into lighting. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm here behind the camera and that's somebody else's thing. <clears throat> but that was also something that um, Jessica Lee Genyi, who had been on the show, she is kind of like a lighting Nazi and she has said that she's very much involved in lighting and she is like there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so it's like also interesting that, you know, I notice when I see a DP's work that I really like, like yours and hers and, you know, the people that we've looked at, they kind of have that in common that they're very involved in lighting. Sure. It's so important. And so then, you know, you got to wonder like as a DP, how are you not involved in lighting? Are you really doing your best work? If you're like, I don't know, just let me know when we're ready to roll and I'll be over here and somebody else does the lighting. I felt like I couldn't appropriately call myself um, a DP or a cinematographer until I felt like I understood lighting. That yeah. to me is the key. Like there's camera operating and then there's cinematography. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I take a lot of photos and that's how I study natural light. And that's how I study light in general is I have my little like Fuji camera and I take it just everywhere. And I try to make myself take at least a photo a day. And then I am constantly trying to get my hands on new and different lights to try to see like how I can make these tools work to tell the story for me. And I'm asking tons of questions. And one of the most amazing things I did was I've, I've, for many years, I felt a little self-conscious that I don't have the masters in cinematography. You know, I meet so many incredible people. I read their bios and they, they went to AFI, they went mm -hmm. to NYU, they went to UCLA and they did a master's program. And I never, I never did that. I never got to experiment with lights for three years and, and work on my craft like that. You know, I've had to make money. Um, not that I met, I, I made the choice to go make mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. I guess is what I mean. And I went and I did this cinematography light, like film lighting workshop a couple of years ago with a gaffer named Mo Flam, who did like the English patient and I am legend. And it was just a group of like really incredible cinematographers from all over the world um, in a studio for 14 hours a day for like six days. And he just taught us everything about how to light a feature film. And I knew, I was like, this is what, I have to get three years of a master's in this one week. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like the number one nerdy student, front of class, hand always in the air, and taking notes on everything. I mean, I basically like wrote a transcript of the class. I have stayed in contact with Mo. I write to him whenever I have a lighting setup I'm not sure about. And I feel like that mentorship has been everything for me about how to learn to light. 
That's great. I feel like those workshops are, are priceless. Those things you hear, uh, you know, a couple people doing that in the mm-hmm. business, and it's like that seems like the way to go. Yeah, I think if you don't if you don't have the time and the the resources to be able to just getting a crash course, and I mean, because yeah. the thing is, is, you can learn so much on your own, and I feel like stuff like that really just gives you the 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 whys and the hows of a lot of the really nitty gritty stuff. Exactly. You know, and I learned like things that I didn't know. He taught us like how to do, you know, poor man's process for lighting a car in a studio space and things like that, that now are part of my arsenal. And I taught, he taught us how he thinks about lighting. So how he approaches a room, the first things he does on a tech scout, what he does on a location scout and um, his kind of principles for underexposing and overexposing and, and where you can take light away instead of add it. And those things I just, have used over and over and over again in my work. And as I use them, I get better at them and my work gets better. Yeah. And yeah. So that's uh, sort of how I've tried to, I, I feel like I'm a little self-taught in a way, but I do access mentors and experts as much as I can for advice. Right. Well, will you, will you do your own masterclass one day? Yeah. Um, I would hope that I could do my own masterclass one day. I think I have a long way to go and I still have <laughs> a lot to learn. But, you know, I'm still I'm still relatively young, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got a lot of time. <laughs> to me, I'm young. So, yeah. so when, you, when you're working as a director and you have a DP, um, how does that relationship work That's, for you? interesting um because i'm in the middle of a project right now that i am directing and i'm working with a dp and i feel like i'm continually overstepping (laughs) in a way (laughs) and um i have i am like making suggestions that i shouldn't be making you know Mm -hmm. and i'm like giving specific things like you know, we're like trying to dim like a light down. And I'm like, well, do you have ND? Well, do you have like Roscoe's crew? Well, do you like, do you have just a piece of diffusion? Like, what do you like? I'm just like, what do you have? Like, and um, do you have any dimmers? And, you know, it, I, I feel like a director should just say, hey, just dim that light down. All right. And not be telling this person how to, what to do. Um, so that's something I've been actually thinking about because often I'm on set with, DPs where I've been a little more hands-off. I'm very good at being hands-off, but this particular project, um, it's, it's a short film I'm directing, um, for, and it's for an agency I really love. And I just want to do such a good job at it that Mm -hmm. I think that's why I'm doing this. If that makes sense. I'm like being too precious. Sure. Yeah. So I think I need to let go and trust a little bit more and I think that's really important because you want your DP to feel like they can own their department and their job and you can own yours and you communicate about storytelling and and just making sure it looks good and mm-hmm. you're getting the right the you're getting the story that you want but not telling somebody how to do their job in the details of it. Right. Right. That's probably still tough though because he Paul is our director and DP cuz we can never afford yeah, out of, <laughs> so, out of necessity. So he he that's he's always just been the DP and the director, and we you know I've always said I, it would be we're working on a um a short film this fall that's kind of the biggest short that we've ever done, the most expensive thing, and by that I mean like that's somebody's like uh, craft service 
budget, but for us, it's huge. You know, (laughs) it's big for us. That's exciting. We usually make films for like a thousand to two thousand dollars, but because he's the director and we're not paying a DP, I'm playing the part of producer and craft services. I'm an actor. I'm producing. You know, like yeah, he edits and he. You know, so we don't have to pay all those people, but. You know, for this next one, I thought, God, it would be really nice for you to just be able to direct and focus on directing because that's the problem. It's like he's so worried about what's going on behind the camera that he doesn't have time to direct. And I said, I wonder if you could actually have a DP because you'd constantly be like, yeah, are you going to? OK, that person's just going to pick their shit up and they're going to leave the set. Yeah. And like, then you do it. I don't know. I feel like I could, I would be, I could be pretty, like, it, it would depend on the person. If I trusted the person. Uh, I think if you look at somebody's work and you look at their reel, you're like, I know they can yeah, do this because I, they're capable of it. Especially if they were more experienced than me, I would want, I, I wouldn't be telling them what to do. I'd probably be standing there having them tell me what they're doing. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Writing How, notes. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think that it does like, it's a lot about having worked with the person before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like for, if you do for your project, you want like to work with maybe possibly a DP, like maybe do something like really small. That's just a day that's for free, you know, like not a budget yeah, yeah. Yeah. and like learn their, learn their, uh, how they work and how they communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like it's harder. Like the, I think this set for me, the one I'm in the middle of is, I've never worked with a cinematographer before. So I really don't, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into day mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd had conversations on the phone and emails, but it was, um, it was a new relationship for me. Whereas usually when I'm directing and I hire a DP, it's someone that I've hired because I've either worked with them or like, I, I've just been following their work for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That relationship is just as important. I think as I speak from an actor's perspective, if I'm supposed to, play a, a, a role where somebody is my partner or my uh, you know that I'm in love with if you don't have a connection with that person in some way it's just not going to that story is not going to be told on the mm-hmm. camera nobody believes it and that, yeah. you know you've seen that in film where you're like I just don't believe this relationship at all because and then you hear like the the tabloids of these two actors hated each other on set and you're like I can tell you yeah. know because the connection is so forced and you're the director and the DP is have to kind of work as one person mm-hmm. so like that communication is like interwoven and, yeah and i think you can also see, you see that also on, on sets when you're like it looks like everybody's doing their own thing and there wasn't yeah. a cohesive type of communication yeah it's so important yeah it's it's incredibly important to have a really good communication i it's it's difficult sometimes to be your own cinematographer um but at the same time i I do feel like then you're only you're communicating the shot to yourself. So, you know, there's like sort of this experimentation that happens when you're handheld and you're like on an easy rig and you're just finding the shot on your own. And then you're like, Oh, this is how we're going to tell this story. And when you're not the one doing that, I found that I'm, I'm trying to communicate body language to someone. And I'm like, okay, if you just squat down too much, okay, now meet in the middle. Okay, and now like <laughs> tilt the camera up. Okay, meet in the middle of that. Okay, now if you like, you know, and I'm like sitting there like trying to just get the, the DP to experiment with a shot that I want w- without physically going over there and moving <laughs> their body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like when you are 
operating and the cinematographer and the director. There's just this freedom to find yeah. the story as you go along and to like experiment and be like, oh, what happens if we like turn the camera this way and like look down this row of lamps and oh, that's really cool. Like, let's see what we can do here. And yeah, I love that. I love that that exact feeling, that exact freedom that you have. I mean, ideally, you would do all that in pre-pro, but you know. Sometimes you're on set and there's just something oh, that's yeah. happening and you're like, I need, I need to grab this. Yeah. That's know? the thing with pre-pro is I like, I obsess over pre-production and I just like, I'm like, I'm trying to troubleshoot and not troubleshoot. I'm trying to think of everything I may have to troubleshoot. I'm, yeah. like, I'm trying to think of every single scenario. But then when you get to like, when you're working with like, I don't always get to location scout. I travel for shoots a lot and you sometimes you're just like, okay, I'm just going to get there and hope that this mm-hmm. location works. Yeah. And Sometimes, like, I so it's recently shot a music video, um, and I'm really excited about it. It's like it was last weekend, and it's it's it was just like one of the best shoots I've ever had. And like, it was so much fun. The crew was so great. The director, his name is Evan O'Neill, he's amazing, and the band is just amazing. Um, so it was like just kind of one of those times when everything comes together. Mm-hmm. It was like the last, the end, last scene of like our fi- our first day of shooting, and we have a party scene. and. Like, the thing is, the director couldn't secure, like, a space to do the party scene. So all day, I'm like, where are we doing the party scene? He's oh, like, geez. I don't know. I've got people, like, trying to get someone's apartment. So then finally, he's like, okay, I found an apartment. It's, like, lunchtime. I'm like, I don't know where we're going. Yeah. I have no idea what's happening. And, like, I feel like, you know, I'm sitting there, like, a full, of, like, a good crew. I've got, like, you know, we have, like, it, it, we, we had you know, budget to like, at least do something nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, I can't believe we don't know where the next location yeah. is. Like, <laughs> how's that happening? And we get there and it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> it no. was, yeah, I like show up and it's like crowded, crowded, tiny studio apartment. And uh, we've got the whole band coming. We've got 10 extras coming. We just had this like really cool like, party scene. They were lighting with like all these colored gels. And we're going to do all this eight millimeter stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm like, get creative, Danielle, get creative. So I'm like, okay, we're putting the camera up high. We're shooting down. The wood floor is the nicest thing in this place. (laughs) (laughs) We're shooting down and like they were letting everything going to shadow. And luckily I had like added source fours onto the order at the last minute. So I had just like that spotlight that like didn't have a lot of fall off. So we weren't, and we were shooting on an Ursa Mini also. So, you know, you need a lot of light for that camera so you can let yep. like spaces go into shadow and you're, it's just, you're not going to see anything. And that worked so in our advantage. And it ended up this like horrible location. Like I'm like taking sheets off this person's bed and like, <laughs> like gaff taping them to make them look like curtains on like this huge window that she had where like all this light is coming. Blowing like, in, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, and then as we were leaving, she was like, I really like the sheets like that. I think I'm going to leave them. (laughs) Okay, they're gaff taped up there. (laughs) Um, And that was one of those times when like you, I had been doing pre-pro. I had like done lens tests. Like I had done the lighting tests. Like we had like done so much, but you just, we just couldn't get a a location for a party scene on our budget. And Mm -hmm. I had to make do with what I had and ended up, I was I'm really psyched with how it looks. It's kind of weird. Like, it looks like there's this, like, kind of weird little teeny space with, like, Mm -hmm. this, like, like, you know, source for sort of, like, uh, spotlighting just individual members around the room. And then we just fill the whole place, like, you know, like, we put colored gels up, we put some haze in, and 
ended up being really nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Those are always like the funnest shoots we have. Like, you know, we I think we talked about this recently when we had a, a shoot way up north and uh, it was just a mess. There was like bugs in the place oh, and I had deleted some of the footage by accident and like Oh no. And, but it was like the, but it and it was such <laughs> it was such like a I mean it was a great experience because we learned so much on that film, but uh yeah, like it's we just, we learned that we jumped the gun and we weren't ready to make a feature. That's yeah, what we learned. That's barely <laughs> we a feature. We're like, but, oh, that was too much. But you look back at it, and it's just I don't know. It was so fun, you know. So I love, yeah, I, I love. It was partially fun crazy. for me. I had the flu for two days, so that yeah. wasn't fun for me. <laughs> I had Not a different fun. experience, but uh, it's yeah, just fun. <laughs> Except for the deleting thing. That, the deleting thing was not good. Uh, we didn't like that. Did you? Did you have to reshoot what you deleted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there was some <laughs> stuff and I had couldn't. the flu there was both times. So I was like, I don't want to, I didn't want to do it the first time. I was yeah. like, so I really don't want to do it again. Yeah. I'm that was, so sorry. Yeah, that <laughs> That's a nightmare. That's like, I've ne- I have yet to like damage a card or, you know, yeah. lose footage in some way. And that's, that is something I'm so afraid of. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was usually, the first and last time you ever made that back mistake. Back in the day, I had like a, an HVX 200 or something like that. It was back when those cameras were around and uh, it was before DSL, the DSLR revolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just forgot to flip the tab on it. And I just, they all looked the same. And I usually like flip the tab so I can't record over it. And we were just rushing and I didn't flip the tab and I just grabbed it. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. The ultimate DP nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's in the past. We moved on. You, do, you, you learned. Yeah, yeah, he did yeah, that once. Yeah, that once. once. And never yeah. again. Now he's always like, don't even talk to me when he's like switching out cards. He's like, don't even talk to me. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm focusing. I know. Well, now I, like, now we'll I, just, I just buy cards so I never have to record over a card. Mm. I'll just keep buying them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's got so well, many cards. Because we shoot on the uh, Ursa Mini Pro. And um, okay. I just, you know, I just, I'm investing in cards because to me, having the ability to not have to offload footage is just a luxury for me like i love like it just makes the shoot you know this is done flip it there you go and i don't have to worry about it again and then i can worry about it later that night you know offload everything twice you know just to be safe <laughs> four times <laughs> yeah. yeah i do double backup always and then i'm always holding up the cards like if it's the ac or the pa who is ever doing backup um, I'm like, are you sure I can record on this card? Yeah. This is the third time I'm going to ask you before I format this. Yeah. Like, and always, and you press format, and you're like, oh god, did yeah. somebody get it back up? Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> like, we can't recreate the things we just did. Um, yeah, it's so, so scary. It's very scary, and that's why I actually I don't like shooting on red because the media backs up so fast for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're shooting like 6K, you're getting like 13 minutes on a card or 17 minutes. And, you know, I haven't shot in red in a while, but it's because of that reason. So maybe, the, you know, they're able to have, have bigger cards with more memory space now. But I, uh, I, I remember I shot, I actually shot a short film last summer on a red and I felt like we were waiting for cards to offload and we couldn't roll. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's. She's hitting all the points for us here. Yeah, <laughs> because we're it, it's a joke that we're you know it's the film school thing and the red thing, um, and I think like well, we got uh, I, yeah, I, I don't want to go on a, a red red tangent. I they're fine, they're great camera. I mean, it's just a tool, right? Whatever you just you know whatever. Yeah. But um, we got uh, at my day job is we're doing like motion graphics and we do some video stuff too and um. You know, we just purchased a red. We got the Gemini, and I don't know. I just—it's a very—they're very noisy cameras. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the fans loud. And the fans loud. And um, we just mainly shoot elements, you know, smoke, and and we shoot a lot of that stuff. So we wanted the high speed of it. We're not filming anything narrative or anything we have to worry about skin tones or any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I was just like, you know, you hear so much about it. Like when the 5D first came out, everybody, you know, when you were a commercial, you know, videographer or director or whatever, it, it was clients just hear a buzzword, you know, and they hear like, oh, I want to shoot on a 5D because that's the cool thing. And now it's like red. I want to shoot on a red because that's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. My company does a lot of, we do a lot of red shoots because our producers like think like red is the the ultimate. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. it may be good for certain circumstances that red might be perfect for that. But, you know, an Ari might be good for that or Black Magic might be good or a Sony. Like it, it mm-hmm. all depends on the scenario. But I think a lot of there's pros and cons to every camera yeah. anyway. I mean, there's no like one perfect camera. There's yeah. going to be, you're going to sacrifice one thing for another, yeah. whether, be it, you know, whether it's good in low light or not, yeah. or, you know. And people get, I think people get too obsessed with it. I know we've talked about this a little yeah, bit that, before. That's people kind of so the joke is with. that people become obsessed with their gear and it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we our thing has always been work with what you have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's great. You know, that you're obviously a, a $20,000 camera is going to do more than a $4,000 camera can, but that doesn't mean that you can't make your $4,000 camera look as good as it possibly can. You're yeah. going to have to manipulate lighting a lot more and try to make this look better. But, yep. you know, you talk to people that are like, I want to become a filmmaker. And it's like, they go through the filmmaker 101. Okay. First I have to buy gear. You don't know how to use anything yet. Like don't go, mm-hmm. don't buy a $20,000 camera. You don't know what you're doing. That's completely unnecessary. Yeah. And then you're you not going to get, gonna to get what that camera can do. You don't even do. have to own equipment. It's just all in the, you know, yeah. it all for, it's yeah, all but it's, budget, you know, but. like a lot of film fest, they, it's, it's almost, there's almost like a clout where you, your film will get in if you filmed on a red. And we've been at Film Fest and watched stuff. And, you know, at the end, the logo comes up. We're like, that was filmed on a red? That looked horrible. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, my God. I can't even imagine if they if they actually had to rent this gear and they didn't own it, what they paid to shoot. Because whoever was shooting that didn't know how to use the camera and didn't know mm-hmm. how to light for the camera. So yeah. you might as well have shot, you know, on on a freaking T3i, (laughs) you might as well have filmed on that for what you got. And then the next one will come up that's filmed on a red. And you're like, okay, that person got lighting and they got the best out of that camera. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just kind of like a joke. When we hear red, we're like, oh, because everyone's filmed on a red. I'm like, oh, (laughs) get over it. Like you can make your camera look good. We can't afford to film on a red. You know, we have what we have and that's it. No, but that's, that's always the goal for me. It's always kind of like this this unspoken uh, challenge that I have to myself. Like we shoot on our Ursa Mini Pro. It's a good camera, uh, but- I loved using it yeah. for that video. It was the first time I used it. I had a great experience. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure we could like, you know, rack up the credit card debt and, and go buy a, a Red or even a, a, an Ari, an Alexa Mini or something, but- I'm buying an Ari for me, over a Red, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. For sure. <laughs> of course. For sure. But if I, can, if, I can, if I can figure out how to take my, the camera we have and make it look- 10 times better than it is that to me, then if I ever, if we ever do shoot on an Alexa or, or, or whatever, then like that is just going to speak. It's going to be, so, it's just, it's going to translate, you know, lighting translates, right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, yes. so if I'm able to take a $5,000 camera and make it look like a $20,000 camera, then what, what can I do with a $20,000 mm-hmm. camera? 
you know, that's kind of the, the theory, my theory. <laughs> with it and all. the other, the other thing too, is like lighting and production design, like mm-hmm. what you're putting in front of the lens in terms of like how space looks mm-hmm. is that is so much more valuable. And I Absolutely. think that's a lot of times what, um, you know, a lot of projects I work on directors or uh, producers that overlook that. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and I think to that conversation, that's one of the things hugely overlooked, you know, um, our lenses, first of all, mm-hmm. people just are obsessed with the camera body and they don't give yeah. a crap about the lenses. And then, you know, the production design, that you're, what shots you're choosing, you know, your, your mm-hmm. composition, your lighting, all that stuff. You know, I'm sure you've seen the millions of articles that are always coming out about how to get the film look, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't really think any of them really involve a camera. Yeah. Well, we've we've seen stuff that you know under your breath. We all want an Alexa under your Don't breath. Wrong, you know, the movie's over, and he's like, "Did they even change the lens through the entire film? Like, what is it? They just filmed this all on yeah. one lens. Like, what happened here?" Yeah, yeah. The lenses is, is it's lenses are so fun to play with, and the other thing I love are filters or the glass, as we would say, yeah, glass. <laughs> the glass. The glass. <laughs> I know. The first time I heard that on, I, you know, I'm not as technical, and they're like yeah. glass, and I walk through. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. And I texted him. He's like, that that means lenses. I was like, yeah. oh, whatever, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and a glass and it sticks, not tripod. It yeah. sticks. Oh, you know, wow. like all that kind of stuff. I, I'm a little. I, I don't really use like a lot of the lingo and as much. I feel kind of similar about. I'm like, oh, I feel like I sound like a bro when I say yeah, glass. Yeah, I always, I always, yeah, I always feel weird because we it's still such say clothespins, clothespins or extension I, cords. I, I'm like, it's a clothespin. Say clothespins. Right. It's a clothespin. Yeah. <laughs> like, C47s, yeah. bullets. Yeah. 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 And then to, when I the first time yeah. I heard that, I was like, are you joking? Yeah. And they're like, no, that you don't call it clothespins. I was like, but it is a clothespin. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what it is. Yeah. I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I went on a shoot with my company once because I mainly. Like I, like I said, I mainly do motion graphics, but I went on a shoot once and, uh, you know, we're on, we're in DC and there's, you know, like, I don't know if they're called, like just all the road pe- people that do the production on the road and they have all of the lingo. And I know, I know none of it, you know, we, we do our own stuff and mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. try to get the best we can do with what we have. And I, luckily I know. They're like, who I, hired this guy? I know. Know <laughs> I know, I know, the, I know what I'm all, you know, hey, give me that stinger or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I know all the terminology, but I just feel weird saying it because I don't use it every day and I yeah. can't say it with confidence. You know, it's <laughs> such a weird, I'll just take that extension cord, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I do feel like it's a, like what you said about like who, who hired this guy. Uh, it's like, I feel like now I try to make myself say the lingo for respect of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like oh, yeah. so that they know I'm one of them or like I've, I've been on a set before. Like it's like how you prove you've been on a set before. Yeah. Um, if I if if I was yeah. if I was on if I was doing that sort of thing consistently, then it would for probably sure be like it would. second yeah, nature. It, would be, it but... would be. But now it's like, you know, because yeah. I'm communicating with you or, you know, I think our biggest crew to date has been like nine people. Yeah, something like that, that. Eight or nine people. That's a good size crew. Yeah, um, <laughs> that that is a respectable crew. Yeah, um, this one <laughs> I think will be bigger. Not really. This no. I mean, this maybe like ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, but that's you know, for me, I'm always like, I just I just so want a PA. That's all I've ever. I'm like, I would be so nice to my PA. I know you know people treat PA, and that's I think that's what's also important about having done everything on set. I don't look at a PA like, ugh, it's a PA. It's like. 
that I've been there. I've had to do that work. I get it. It's frustrating. You're tired. You're running all over the place. You got three people screaming all different things at you. Mm -hmm. Like I appreciate everybody who's on set. And I've always just been like, I just wish that I had a PA that I could be like, can you go worry about that this for me? <laughs> <laughs> can you please worry about how everybody's getting lunch? Cause I now I have to jump out of character yeah. and make lunch mm -hmm. for 10 people. It sucks. You know? So like this shoot, that's why the, budget like the money just well like okay this is becoming more expensive because i'm like i can't do that i cannot do that i can't be worried about feeding 11 people and cooking after i've just had a you know emotional breakdown as a character yeah. <laughs> like wipe my tears and be like all right who's up for lasagna you know like, just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, i need someone else to do that for yeah. me we'll get there don't worry yeah. a good good tas are like the most valuable people on set seriously and i always insist like one pa is not enough you need three pas you need you just need tons of pas if it's someone's just sitting in the car you need a pa yeah you know like fire watching and and, and parking the van like you just, I, I always have tons of PAs. I have lots and lots of people who I work with here. And I do feel the same way about respecting every single member of crew. My PA is as, as is treated the same as my gaffer is treated the same as mm -hmm. my first AC. Mm -hmm. And also I hire mainly all female crews. So I, that's Team the thing uterus. also. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like <laughs> 10 women on set and every single like female crew members looking around going, this is my first time to be on an all-female crew. Even the producers are female. PAs are female. And um, it's, I was actually shooting something recently and like the executive producer was like, I feel like it's so disarming, like in such a good way. Like everybody just walks in and they're just in a great mood. It's all women here. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a, uh, it's sort of, I don't know. I think it, I have really nice sets and that's something I'm very, actually very proud of is, mm -hmm. you know, whenever people leave sets, they're always like, Oh, this is just such a fun day. This is like the like nicest set I've ever been on. And I think it's cause I, I try to keep treat every single person with like just complete respect that your role is as important as my yeah, role is absolutely. as important as anybody's role. Yeah, absolutely. And because our roles our our set usually runs so small Everybody literally is as important as yeah, they're doing personal. like 50 things. <laughs> yeah, it's very personal. You know, and for, for, for us and for me specifically too, um, you know, I mean, look, we're not, we're not solving, you know, cancer here. We're having, <laughs> yeah. we're making a movie and I, I just feel like it needs to be fun. If you're not having fun, then don't, then don't, then don't do it. You know, I mean, yeah. there's going to be stressful moments and you know, this we're way behind schedule and this light won't work. I yeah. can't get the lighting. It's just not working. And, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy that kind of stress. It, it, the, the creative problem solving like just kicks creative in. Creative problem solving. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what's so fun about filmmaking. Yeah. I, I, I just love it. I just love that that stress um, of trying to figure it out. and, and cause, Because then when it does, you just, I, I don't know, I feel like a hero. I'm like, I, I, no one will care. No one will care that all I had to do was just put a little you know shim on this and then it gets what I want. But it's like, to me, that was just like, you know, well, especially I mean, if like somebody's so. watching the final product and they're like, "Oh, the lighting's really nice in that scene," and you're like, "Let me tell you a story about that lighting." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she was on the verge of tears because we were running out of time, yeah. <laughs> and I saved the day. <laughs> yeah, just, I do. I do. I love those stories too. Like when you do something and you're just like, "Oh, yeah. that's amazing! <laughs> yeah. I solved that problem." Yeah, and no, and nobody cares usually. They're like, "All yeah. right, so 
Yeah. Are we so, rolling so lunch, or not? So lunch is back on. So making is it's the ultimate team sport. Yeah, so yeah. That's for sure. What's fun about it? I wanted to touch on one thing before we go, because yeah. um, there's like this. Um, a lot of stories going around about the Oscars and that there weren't female uh, nominated oh, directors, directors and all this stuff. So we, you know, we have this conversation so many a lot. That, yeah. And you know, somebody, I, somebody had said, I think it was like Facebook or something, which is always a great source of information, as we know. It just turns into arguments, but still, they. Uh, it was a woman who I think was, um, I think she she was a, a cinematographer or something because I remember her writing something, and she's like, "Well, it doesn't matter if the." if the films weren't as good as the, as the others in there, they should have put a woman in there. And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I love when I read about the, and, and not because, Oh, it's an all girl crew. That's better than guys. It's just that this is how you start to even the plane. The, the, the goal at the end is for it to be integrated and not have female and male sets. But the only way you're going to get guys to get used to seeing women on set is to actually throw them into female dominated sets. They get used to being around women and then it just becomes a norm to, Oh, there's mm -hmm. men and women all over the place. And that's just how it, it's not just like, Oh, that girl that worked the set. Yeah. And then you're that girl, you know? And for me, it's like, I don't want to be nominated for something because of my gender, yeah. because you're trying to fill a quota. I want to know that I can piss with the big boys, so to speak, and that my film was just as good and that I've honed my skills. And so much of that is opportunity and giving women, as going back into the beginning of the conversation, giving women the feeling that I can achieve this. It's not just enough that you made a film. Look, I'm a woman and I made a film. Like, okay, but learn everything you can about this and then be the best in that field. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's just like that, that comment, I was like, no, we don't want to just nominate i'll just throw a female director in there they don't want to be a charity anybody. case yeah i want no. i want people to believe in my work and 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 want me there mm -hmm. because i did a good job um and and i had sent paul your website um a couple days ago i was like oh this is you know this is her work so you know look it over before we do the interview and he's like she knows her shit <laughs> it's just like beautiful you know beautiful. so it's like yeah. that's uh, that's beautiful. what you that, that's what i want to see i've i've seen some I've looked at some sites, you know, for female DPs and stuff. And I've been like, I don't really like their work, you know, and I'm not going to just have you on because you're a female DP. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like, I have to like that person's work. Um, so we like your work. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, I do know what you mean about the, like, when, like the all female crew thing, like I whenever I'm hiring a crew, I'm hiring the best person for the job. And you can be male, you can be female, it doesn't matter. But it's so often that the person who is the most qualified and the best person for the job is, and the person who I feel is right for the job is often a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have to work so much harder. Yes. We have to be, we have to prove ourselves in a way that men don't. And so I feel like then when I have a female gaffer, I mean, the hustle, the, the speed with which they move, the, mm -hmm. the ways that they communicate with me, how they want to experiment. There's no ego. It's like, it's just, and I, I don't mean to say like, oh, men are bad. I feel like that's what I'm saying right now. I just do feel like so far in my career, I do work with men a lot, but I'm always just trying to hire the best person. Mm -hmm. And it is, I, so I agree. I would never just hire a woman over a man because she's a woman. If the male counterpart has a better is going to be better suited for the role. Um, 
that's who I would hire. So I agree with you. I would not want it to be a charity case in the way that like, we should just like save a space for like whatever female director, like that's not where change happens. Change is happening, you know, much earlier on, like in how women are even getting like hired by studios to make the films in the first place. Are they getting the opportunity to do the bigger budget piece, the more interesting script, the thing that could be nominated for an Oscar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and but uh, that is, I I feel like that is true, is because you don't have, there's no room for error for us. Mm-hmm. You, you screw yeah. up right away. It's like, see, we hired a, a female and she didn't know what she was doing. And it's like, but I just yeah. started yeah. out. You know, I think I feel like they like, have that mentality towards women in that, like, oh, I I hired a, a, a female DP once and it didn't work out. It's like, well, you know, that may, maybe how many male DPs didn't work, out, DPs didn't work out exactly. You know, and if yeah. if if you know if it's like. Um, uh, when a big blockbuster movie comes out, if it's a female-led movie and it doesn't do well, it's like, well, we tried putting a woman in the role and it didn't work. It's like, meanwhile, 50 films that dudes are in could fail and it doesn't yeah. matter. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm I, so I sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a much higher standard and there's no room for error. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, I've not done a lot of um, like bigger commercial sets, but the, the few that I've done actually were mostly female crews. So that was my first experience. I knew that that wasn't the norm. I mean, I I went in knowing that, but that was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, there's so many women here. This is weird, you yeah. know, but that's the thing. I noticed that all the women on set were super efficient. And then like the few guys that they had, they were like off playing basketball somewhere. They had to be like, guys, we're like ready. And I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I, and you know, there's, I'm sure there's a, there's a slew of women that you could work with and you'd be like that, that woman did not work at all because we're mm-hmm. all flawed, you know, but it was just, it was just such an, a, 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 you know, a comedic irony that it was like, all the women were like, where are we going? What are we doing? Get this ready. And there was like one guy playing an acoustic guitar in the corner. And I think like the gaffer was playing basketball with someone else. They had to be like, come on, come on, we're ready to shoot. Um, so I, I think that's awesome that, you know, we're finally starting to be able to see that. And I feel that people, if they listen to this regularly, they're like, here she goes on her women in the cruise rant again. <laughs> um, but you don't know until you've experienced it. You, it's, it's true. Yeah. When you walk onto it, I've, I've had that feeling on my own set. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say once that, that we had filmed that I felt out of place on my own set. And having somebody take direction from me who is male that was looking to Paul for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we work as a film team, like yeah. together. If I ask you for something, I'm not going to ask you for anything that's out of my league. That's going to screw up lighting. Like I'm asking you to do something. And I thought, man, that sucked. And that's on my own set. I can't imagine when you walk on, you know, as, as when you're being hired and mm-hmm. you can't get, and yeah. he went to take you seriously. <laughs> yeah, when they're like asking you, oh, can you get me coffee? Yeah, or I'm something. the director. <laughs> sure yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. All right, that's enough ranting for yeah. me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely felt, though, as I've worked longer, and I I feel like I by the way that I am on set, I'm much more assertive. I come onto set with much more confidence. Every year, you know, every shoot, I'm, I, I feel like I was really self-conscious about that in the beginning but now I I don't really have that experience as much where like somebody might um not think I'm the director or not think I'm the DP but I did I like I did have somebody I was I was doing a shoot in Pensacola Florida and I was trying to find a 12-foot jib 
And I could only find one in Mobile, Alabama. And this guy who I was renting it from, I was going to like end up renting a bunch of gear from him. And he was like, just not being very nice to me. Just like totally like mansplaining, being like a kind of like a, a little bit of a dick to me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, this man Frodo had to be fine for whatever camera you're using. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I have a fully kitted out Alexa Mini with like vintage cooks, like Matbox, like, you know, shark fin on the back with two Anton Bowers, like, I don't know if that man Frodo is going to be okay. And he was like, what? You have an Ari camera? You have, you have cooks? And I was like, yeah. And I have an all-female crew. And mm-hmm. he was like, I've never seen an all-female crew before. Can we go and, look? Yeah. Yes. It was like all of a sudden, like, because we had, like, real gear, then he was, res- was like, totally changed his tune, was, like, yeah. so nice to me, so respectful, was like, I'll be there with the truck at any time, like, whatever you need. Oh, I've got all this crew. Like if you need a gaffer, like, cause I had brought an AC and a steady cam operator and a DP with me, but we couldn't afford to travel with a gaffer. And it was just this funny thing that like I, he originally thought, Oh, cause I'm a woman. I must just like, I'm a hack. Like I, mm-hmm. he can just tell me how to do things. And as soon as I had like legit gear, he respected me. And so that was kind of a bummer, mm-hmm. but call I you know, sweetheart. Listen, sweetheart. Um, I <laughs> actually like get, yeah, I get called pet names a lot like that. Yes. Okay. Love, sweetheart, whatever. Um, you know, if I was to like start listing every time sure. someone sort of like did that, we just, we'd be here for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that goes out of the film community and just That's everywhere. Yeah. 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 It's a blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do feel a ma- like to, you know, and I guess end my point on that is like, I feel like a massive change is happening with I'm like really into the female filmmaker Friday hashtag mm-hmm. because I love to see all of the women in crew roles who are and directors and DPs. And it's, I feel like the people who hire me, even like in the past few years, cause I work for a lot of the same clients, their entire mindset has been shifting and um, it's just a really exciting place to be right now. I feel like I'm less of a female DP and more of, just a DP. Just a DP. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 That's the point. That's the goal. The goal is to yeah, just that's the goal. for it not to be like, oh, there was a, a female director nominated. It was just a director. Yeah. And who, the more voices you know, we you can have yeah. telling stories, the better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're pioneering. <laughs> it's going to happen. Close. It's going to happen. I think it's close. Well, thank you so much for being on. Of course. And Thank we'll, you for uh, having it's me. Been a blast where where can people you. follow your work and all that? Um, at my full name, Danielle Kaladny. It's kind of a weird name, S C A L O D N E Y. And that's my Instagram handle and my website. Awesome. So yeah. check out her work. Please do. Hire it's her. Really, it's, ugh, it's really yeah. it's for whatever her day rate is. Because she's worth it. Yeah. Don't question it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Just give her the damn day rate and move on. Um, yeah, it was really awesome talking to you. And we, well, we'd love to have you on again as you know as you push through yeah. and uh, you know rocket through your career and you know when whatever you're, you're working we'll, on. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll be, be like you. she was on our podcast. Hey, remember us? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes, definitely. I'll definitely come back to the podcast. <laughs> but I have like my five Academy Awards yes. behind me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, well thank we'll, you so we'll, much. We'll hire her when we can afford it. We'll afford <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait for our budget to go up. Uh, yeah. But thank you so much for being on. Mm-hmm. Of course. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Great. All right, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. Female DPs.
Yeah. Oh Jesus. Well, There's a lot of vibrato in that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's in the key of C sharp. So <laughs> my excitement was in the key of C sharp. In the key of ouch. <laughs> in the key of sharp and killing the ears. Anyway, so uh yeah, that was awesome. Yep. Love her. Fun to talk to. A wealth of information. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh she's doing the thing. She's going to be big, I feel like. She has the uh, like whatever it the je ne is. Sais quoi? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but she has it. <laughs> um, we could yeah. say we had her we on knew our her show. When. We knew her when. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was it. Was that was great? That was a great, uh, great talk. Yeah. So check out her work. I'll leave all the links in the uh, show notes. Yep. We'll have all the linkage. Linkage, linkage. Um. So. I uh, wanted yes. to mm-hmm. have a little um, extended shout out. Okay. Um, shout out. Uh, Alejandro Montoyo Marin, mm-hmm. Montoya Marin, mm-hmm. um, from Rebel Without a Crew, yes. the TV show. Um, he he reached he, out. Yeah, we've been in contact with yep, him. He's re- he reached out and asked if uh, we, um, you know, we could kind of just advertise i guess well yeah you know just get the word out about his uh he's fundraising got a, he's campaign. got a fundraiser on indiegogo uh so it's i'll leave the uh, links to that as well yeah it's millennium bugs film on indiegogo mm-hmm. and uh he's already surpassed what we need uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's already surpassed our budget for our film so hopefully yeah. hopefully this ours will go just as well just as smoothly um, sure but uh i believe it's uh it's fifty thousand that he's he's looking for this mm-hmm. is the last film he did for seven thousand which was the um sort Monday. of the rule to the show yeah um and so we will have him on at some point to uh talk about his new film and experience mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and all that um so go check out his uh his uh indiegogo page and you know, throw some of the cash. Yeah, give me the cash. Support, 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 support. <laughs> um, and uh, John Michelle from Reality Bomb Comic Cast yeah, and, and Omega Brain, uh, Omega Brain Comics, Comics has his his wife Alex has birthed human beings into the world. <laughs> Screaming babies! Yeah. So he's got two of those. Oh boy! I don't know what you do with two of them things. No. <laughs> That's a lot of. I barely made it through one. That's a lot of poop and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you know, bless them. Yeah. Uh, so two uh, healthy baby boys. Uh, so congrats to him and Alex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, high five to Alex because she did all the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a lot of work right there. Um, and so shout out to Reality Bomb Comic Cast, Mega Brain Comics, Steady Geekin, Steady Perry, Geekin. who's still walking Paul through. Neptune. Neptune. Oh, he's got his own stuff going on. He's got his own stuff going you on. You know, I feel bad now when I annoy him because he's like, I don't know, but do you know how to do this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's working on something much more cooler than I am, but that's still. Yeah. Um. So shout out to him for show. You said funner earlier. In funner? The, yeah, in the interview. Oh. Instead of more fun. More fun. So I had just a grammar Nazi you there. Yeah, well, I mean, like, something, how, something's fun funner. I don't remember what you said. I was like... <laughs> That's how fun it was. That it was funner? It was funner. Um, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what we have. We got stuff going on. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, can't buddy. even say. We will um, We will start getting into the pre-production of our next film. We found a location. Mm-hmm. So. so 
Yeah, and we just got back from a location scout, so that was fun. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm pretty sure if, as long as I can secure the time off, uh, we will be... Well, I'm about to secure it with my bank account, so <laughs> yeah. you better get that time off. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, well, so we found a location up in, it's like near the Catskills. I want to say it's Napanoch. I don't know if that's how you say it. No. Napanoche. I don't know. It's going to be Napa something. Noche. It'll be something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's not Napanoch, uh, but it probably is. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. Um, so now it's time to start rallying the troops. Yeah. So now we're going to be. Um, for our shoot in seven While months. we're going to wait for Paul to finally finish. And then. I have nine months to finish. So hopefully. <laughs> not really. The month's almost over. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we'll be getting into that, mm-hmm. that whole world of casting and trying yeah, to yeah. beg people to work for under a, their rate. Yeah, a reduced, a slightly reduced rate. <laughs> a pretty reduced rate. Because <laughs> the story's awesome. It's uh, funner than anything we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my only concern is, With, what is that, that? It's, it's like out in, you know... Cotcher scratch upstate. Okay. And it's, there's nothing around there food wise. Well, they got a shop, right? Yeah, like nine miles away from yeah. where we're going to be. And we'll I'm not the, cooking. We'll figure it out. Again. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So that's going to be, we got, we got a pretty, a pretty decent deal on the location. Um, but now we're going to have to allocate whatever deal that was to catering because mm. we're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, the biggest, look, looking at the location, I think one of the biggest things I'm going to have to overcome from a technical standpoint is the low ceilings. Yeah. How do we light? Well, it's a very ceilings? old house. And yeah. old houses like that were usually, they had low ceilings to keep the heat in mm-hmm. the room. Mm-hmm. So that's what you got there. Yeah. So there'll probably be a lot of uh, compact lights, you know. Yeah. Because the ceiling is like. Of course, I have the big monster lights. So that's not going to be helpful. It's like four inches above your head when you were standing well, was yeah, it's probably what was the seven ceiling. and a half feet maybe seven feet no way ceiling? no 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 well when like you upstairs, were standing there was no downstairs upstairs when you were standing downstairs. in the dining room yeah. specifically not oh, in the, the other room rooms. yeah the dining room's wicked. the dining that's like, room that's like was like six, six feet. five yeah <laughs> not even six five no way because there was like i could maybe fit two fingers above your head from where the ceiling was. Yeah, so that'll be fun. So tall people in that room will be fun as well. Yeah, we'll keep all the scenes sitting in that room. We pretty much do have them all sitting in there. Yeah. For the most part. Um, So yeah, that we got the ball rolling there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A little bit completely terrified. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Oh, it's a lot of money. I'm excited. So yeah, that's but that's still eight months away, so... Yeah. Oh, we could, and then we and then the the engine. What? I'm just saying you were, you would be able to. Oof, no, not, we wouldn't, because those things from are con- evil. From conception to birth, we almost, wouldn't have time. Almost. Ew. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yuck. Yeah, we'll, my ovaries we'll be, just cringed. What we'll are you doing filming, to me? Well, we'll be filming stuff between now and then, anyway. Will we? Yeah, just the, you know, day shoots. Well, we'll see about that, bud. Well, we got it. We got to keep sharp. I was going to say something, and I don't remember what it sorry. was, because you cut me off twice. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck it. I don't know anymore. Oh, boy. Whatever. All right. Jerk. Well, it was about the location, but... Oh, I don't know. Good. Yeah. 
watching you attempt to get comfortable right yeah. now with like your arm. Uh, Chevy Chase on the ladder. And <laughs> Christmas, Christmas vacation. vacation. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all we got going on for now. That's it. And as it progresses, and if I remember what the hell it was I was going to say, then um, I'll say that next time. Yeah. So uh, keep on keeping on. Keep on. G- go Gorilla. Go. We don't have a, we should come up, maybe come up we with some kind that. of a slogan or something. You know, like Ryan Conley says his thing and, you know, do we need a, a catchphrase of some sort? No. Go gorilla or go nothing or something like that. That rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. You should do that for a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's about as smooth as a, a gravel freaking driveway there. Yeah. <laughs> go gorilla. Go gorilla. Go gorilla. Or, or go don't. for other stuff <laughs> that's not gorilla. Yeah. Genius. Yep. I love you're, it. You're hired. All right, we've rambled long enough. Thank you so much, That's everybody, true. for tuning in and listening. And if you made it this far, why? Why are you listening <laughs> to this? I don't understand. Why? Why? Um, and uh, we'll we're see. Cool. Do we have someone next week? Uh, no, we don't. We don't have anyone next week. But the following week, if all goes as planned, we should be speaking to um, actress Hannah Ward. Mm. Um, who's pretty awesome sauce. So yeah, but you know, she's in LA. People got to work, things yeah. happen, schedules change, so maybe. maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Her new film looks really interesting. Yeah. She looks really well. And I had reached out to the filmmaker for that as well. Yeah. Um, but they kind of want to wait till everything's... More out there. More pressed together. Yeah, and, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we'll have people on. We've had some people reach out to us um, again since the last episode. Craziness. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll probably people have, are probably listening to this show. Probably have them, yeah. I, I don't know how they're finding us. Must be all they them. never say. I Must be all them no, hashtags. It's the hashtags. It's got to be the hashtags. Yep. You know why? Hashtag, they're, hashtag. They're going gorilla. <laughs> oh, jeez. Or going home? They're going home. <laughs> See? That's enough of home. that. Okay. Bye. Bye. We couldn't decide on a song. We love We couldn't decide on a song. We love We couldn't decide on a song. So we came up with this one.